Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Move Forward podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim Moss, and I am so excited for you to meet my guest today. His name is Elijah Stevens. Welcome, Elijah. I'm so glad that you're here. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be on. Well, Elijah, I have you on because uh, I actually had received an, an email from you and I didn't know who you were. And so I went on the email. I read all about you and uh, you are married and you have a degree. I have that all written out here somewhere. And, uh, and you have written a book called Leading with Leading Ministry Time. Leading Ministry Time, which is like a coaching book, right? Yeah. Coaching for, for ministers. And, uh, and where can they buy that, by the way? Uh, just go on Amazon. You can buy it on Kindle or buy a hard copy there. Okay, great. And so I know that you've been in the Army Reserve. You were been your pastor for seven years. You went to BSSM. That's always a claim to mm -hmm. fame to be part of Bethel School of Ministry. You have master's degree in apologetics and science and religion, which is just amazing. And I wish we had some time to talk about that as well. But when I received the email about you, you told me about a brand new movie that you've mm -hmm. just created called Send Proof. And um, and if you're interested in that, by the way, you can go to sendproof.com. But this was very interesting to me. And so I watched the clips and I read all about you. But there was this one statement that you made that I read that really captured my heart. And you said... I want to end anti-intellectualism in the church, influence academia, and build apologists who move in signs and wonders. And, mm -hmm. you know, the reason this captured my heart is because I am that. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's me. Um, I, I am actually an intellectual, and most of you who are listening to this podcast know that many of the people that I bring on this podcast um, not only move in signs and wonders, but I bring on many theologians and Bible scholars because I think this is so important, and I believe that it enriches us even as we move in the things of the Holy Spirit. And um, and I I love Scripture. I think it's one of the most important things that we can do is study Scripture and think critically about what's going on in the world, what's what scripture says about it, and then what is the Holy Spirit saying? And so I am so pleased, Elijah, that you are doing this work. And I just, I bless you in that work. And I'm so glad you're here today to talk about your movie. So let's just go ahead and get started, shall All we? All right. So Elijah, tell me about the prophetic word that you received to make the film, and I believe you got it from this guy we know named Sean Bulls. Yes, yes. Know. Well, I, I I thought about ma making a film about miracles with medical evidence, and I kind of fished around BSSM and just asked people who had testimonies, like, "Can you help me connect with someone?" And it went nowhere. And so I was at my third year of BSSM, and um. 
I was just sitting at my house and two or three of my friends are like, get to the church now. Sean Boltz has called your name out. And I'm like, what? And so I get in my car and I drive and uh, it's second year at BSSM and I go in and he tells me my name, my birthday, my wife's name, that I lived in Chattanooga, grew up in Georgia, that Allison's an occupational therapist, that uh, she has an aunt named Karen, Aunt Karen has a daughter named Silky, and he's like, God's commissioning you, go make this film, it's going to change lots of doctors' lives, and I'm like, okay, I'm all in, Jesus, uh, and uh, yeah, I've been working on it for the last few years, but uh, I it was so clear and everybody's like, if you ever get a clear word from God, it's going to cost you. It's going to be hard. And I'm like, you underestimated how hard, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it, it, it's just stretched me. I have no film background. Um, mm. I'm just like, I've, this is something that needs to be done. And um, yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Did you, were you already thinking of making the film when he called it out? Or was this a, was it like, ha, had a thought, something that you started put aside? Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Well, so when I was in the vineyard, I was an associate pastor and I had a dream where Bill Johnson said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, plant churches at Sea Signs and Wonders. And he said, come to California. And so that took us out of the church. And when we left, um, the senior pastor shut down the church, said there's no God and uh, there's no evidence for miracles. And so in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to research this stuff. And like when I was in BSSM, I would just pray, God, make me a catalyst for the next great awakening and I would think about making a documentary just because people don't read books. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot yeah, of population do. does it. And so I'm like, I want to show the evidence for miracles. But um, yeah, it just went nowhere. I mean, if you don't have a background in film, making a documentary is insanely hard. <laughs> And so like it was going to go nowhere and then just God breathed on it. And it's one of those stories where he equips the called, he, uh, you know, he doesn't call the equipped. And so, yeah, it's, it's been such a, a, a growth journey for me. Isn't that always the way it is? You know, God mm -hmm. asks you to do something in particular with your life. And I, and this is, this is a, this is a life endeavor for you, not, not just one thing that you will do. And you'll do many things, but it always costs us. Sure. It, it costs us everything to follow Jesus. That's what I always say. But right. um, tell me about, so, so you had this dream, you wanted to do it. It wasn't coming together. Now you get this prophetic word and then all of a sudden resources were there or, you know, how did that, how did that happen for someone who's never done a film and mm -hmm. now you, and it's a good film. Mm -hmm. The parts I've watched are very well done. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of resources came as needed. And so mm -hmm. um, within a few weeks, Randy was speaking in uh, Vacaville and someone contacted me and he's like, you need to go tell him this word. And so I tell him and he collect 
connects me with GMRI, Global Medical Research Institute, because yes. I wouldn't have had researchers or known where to like get this stuff documented and validated. Um, and so after that, we launch, launch a Kickstarter. We're able to raise about $130,000, $150,000. And like, but wow. it's your first film and money just disappears. And yes. like, that's where we had to kind of put some of our own in. Um, but at every stage, it feels like God's doing nothing. And then he brings like the right team member who is just this like excellent you know, at film or storytelling and yeah. like this film, I feel like is, it doesn't look like your first film. It looks like, you know, you've been doing this for years and it's because God just put all this stuff together and he brought the right testimonies at the right time. Um, I remember at one point, have, have you met Susan Starr? Yes, I do. I know her. She would know me. Okay. So I, I was talking to her and like, I'm, I'm on the phone and I call her reaching out for the first time. And uh, the phone just, I go, Hey, my name's Elijah. And I'm making a documentary about miracles with medical evidence. And the phone goes beep, beep, boop, boop, and just dies. And so I call, she emails me, like, call me back on this number. And she's like, the moment you said that lightning crashed in my yard. And she's like, you're not going to believe this. But four or five years ago, um, like a man walked up to me at a prophetic conference and said, there's a man named Elijah and he's going to talk to you and it's going to change a lot of people's lives. And so like this journey has just been infused with God uh, at so many points of him just like, well, why'd you do that, God? But it also like builds your confidence. Like the Lord is at work and I, I've loved that part. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, in yeah. that's incredible. So I know that you mentioned this a little bit uh, in the movie, but um, I wanted to ask you about your, uh, you've had some trauma in your life. You've sure. had some abuse and it, it affected the movie. Well, affected, maybe it's intertwined with the movie in certain ways. Sure. And so tell me about that. Tell me about, tell me about that part. Okay. So I grew up in a Christian home. Like my mom made sure I was at church, taught me the Bible, taught me to pray. Um, she also beat me for hours at the time. And I, she grew up in abuse and it was just like, I would like pass out in my own blood, almost saying, God, kill me or kill her. Like this is, I can't live and I'm five or seven years old. And so I, I developed some CPTSD through the trauma and um, you know, every step of the way is putting your heart out there. It's sharing who you are as a person in public where skeptics criticize the internet's filled with trolls and like it forces you into learning your identity in Christ and letting him minister to those wounds. And it, it's, yeah, like the anxiety can slow you down, but like you 
find Christ in that. And I think that's a beautiful part of my story is that he uses the weak to display his power. Absolutely does. Absolutely does. Right now, would you pray for those who maybe heard just that part and also themselves uh, have been traumatized as children? Many of us have been. Uh, abused. I was sexually molested when mm. I was uh, a very young. And so many of us have, and some of us though have not um, walked through that uh, mm-hmm. yet to a place of healing. And so I, I would love for you to pray for those who might be listening, who heard your story yeah. and say, I have a similar story. I, I, I lift up those who have been through abuse, Father. Um, you're better than we realize, and you're kind and compassionate. And I pray for their hearts that they will be able to experience your compassion right now. And your love and your grace for where they are. And God sees beyond your trauma responses. He sees beyond maybe you're you're struggling with addiction. And he gave his son long before you even thought about Jesus because he loves you that much. And I pray that you know the love of God right where you are. And that love begins to set you free and that you feel his comfort and his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Beautiful. Yeah. I love that God, as you are discovering uh, how to put together a movie uh, about actually about healing and Mm. for for healing, um, that God also used it to bring you through some healing yourself. I think God is so, he's so smart. Yeah. He's so kind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I hadn't connected those yet. And so, yeah, that's insightful. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. So tell me, why did you call it Send Proof? Tell us a little bit about, about the movie. What is mm-hmm. it that you are hoping to accomplish? Why did you call it Send Proof? Because I think there is, God is healing people inside of the revival. And a lot of people go, great, I'm healed. And then they never go back to the doctor and what we want to do is to encourage those people to let the Global Medical Research Institute, it was started by Randy Clark, to research their cases so that those cases that pass the muster can be published in peer-reviewed journals. Because my heart is toward the intellectual. I think Christianity at its core, you know, when Jesus said the truth will set you free, it's such a radical idea. And it, what happened is in the first two centuries of church history, the teachings of Jesus answered the intellectual questions of the Greek philosophers that that Mm. culture was struggling with and it transformed culture. And since the great awakenings, we've split apart the intellect and the supernatural. And I want to go back to historical Christianity where, you know, 
after the first generation, we see apologists rise up and they're writing the emperors, debunking their gods, and then they're going into temples and casting out demons. And we can put these back together. And I think it, when Bill Johnson's like, go back and study past revivals and what made them succeed, there was a 200-year revival that transformed Rome from the most godless pagan occultic culture into one that's like, we want Jesus to be our official religion. And it was because those things were melded together. And so we have to do both. We have to follow the spirit and develop our intellects. And that excites me a ton. Yeah, I think that's so important. I know that even for myself, you and I talked about this just before, that as I was uh, maturing in my, not just my walk with Jesus, but in a call that Jesus had on my life, <clears throat> he asked me to go to school. And I was like, right. what? The first people that I told that I was going to go to school, they told me that age old thing that we've heard a million times, you know, that uh, the seminary is the cemetery. Right. They said it would kill my faith and it would make me uh, my intellectual developing my intellectualism would uh would make me less charismatic uh, right. but i found the opposite to be true mm -hmm. i i completely found the opposite to be true when i went to school i found a richness in scripture and theology that that actually made my passion burn even brighter right. for everything charismatic for the Lord and understanding that Jesus died and it was, and he rose, but it was a preparation to pour out the Holy spirit as part of the new covenant so that we could, you know, and I, I had actually never heard the, the doctrines of the church and I've right. been in church for years. I was already, I was in my forties when I went to school the first time and um, and I thought they were the most beautiful thing. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's really important. So tell me a little bit more about the anti-intellectualism part. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about about the um, you right here the relationship between faith and doubt and knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, and the and how does this play into your movie and what you're trying to do? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. well, so. Because I went through abuse and it was tied to God's existence, I had to work through whether God's real or not. At a very young age, um, I'm reading like Josh McDowell books on apologetics. Yes. Um, <clears throat> because I think one of the things we really get confused about, we don't define our terms. And so we, we don't have a grid for asking questions that are hard about, let's say, scripture and how do we know it's, you know, historically accurate or what about evolution? What about this? What about that? And so we just kind of stuff those aside. And so what I did was I developed a framework where I went, all right, well, what is a thought? A thought's an idea that pops in your head. What is a belief? It's something I think is more than likely true. What is faith? It's living like the truth is true. What is knowledge? It's when you have justified true belief. And that allowed me in that framework is to go, whether there's a God or not, 
I have to live like the truth is true. And I'm going to ask the hardest questions I can, not to convince some atheist down the street, but to convince my own heart. And once I realized, oh, questions aren't sins, they're invitations to figure out reality. I studied the resurrection so deeply that it sh I'm convinced Jesus is alive at that, uh, and that it's historically knowable. And now I'm able to go, all right, my fears about following Jesus are intellectual uh, doubts, or excuse me, emotional doubts. Like it's just abuse and trauma coming up. It's not because there's not evidence for this stuff. And the same's true for miracles. But until I was able to go and work on the intellectual side, I couldn't work on the heart side. And I think sometimes God really calls people to work on their minds for a season so that he can do deep spiritual, emotional work. And um, I'm so glad I went down that path. If, I think that makes I sense. think that's really important. Yes, it does. I think it's really important. Tell me about the mis the misconceptions about the fivefold teacher, you know, and in relationship yeah. to revival. Yeah, I think we really don't have a clear grid inside of, let's say, newer fivefold movements about what the teacher does. And so I think the purpose of the teacher is to teach the church to think critically and biblically and to be able to take all the false claims that our culture is making and debunk them and show the word of God to be authentic. And I think so many people go, all right, I've got the Holy Spirit. Let me throw out the intellectual side. But right. that's, God gave us a book. He gave us the Bible. He encourages us to get knowledge uh, over money in the Proverbs. And if you throw that out, you throw out a part of walking with the Spirit. He, he doesn't want us to just be mindless. He wants us to know his word so that we have a grid for when he's speaking and when it's not him speaking. And when you look at New Age religion or Hinduism, they're entirely experience-based. Um, and they're not knowledge-based. And Christianity is the best of both worlds. Oh, I totally agree. I actually was, I was having a conversation with Dr. Michael Brown just recently about, uh -huh. um, yeah, about scripture and, and about how, when we, when we say things like, and I've, I've had this said to me, well, the Holy Spirit is my teacher, you know? Yeah. And we, which is really a deflection for, I don't need to study scripture because the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit's just going to boom, like, like magical thinking, like poof, you know, I'm going right. to know st the, the truth, you know? And, um, and he was saying how oftentimes, um, because we have a biblically illiterate uh, society right now, even in the church, and, um, and, and oftentimes our, our uh, sermons, our messages to people when we really haven't allowed the teacher you know, mm -hmm. and teaching, real teaching to inform our message, then it's, it's simply inspirational or motivational, but it may not really be transformational, right? Because it's the word, you know, the word and spirit, the spirit and truth that really transforms our mm -hmm. lives, 
because the word is alive and active. And so um, I, I would say, and I know that you would agree with me that, that teachers and pastors have uh, in some ways been sort of, um, their role has been diminished sure. in the fivefold excitement if you will, uh, of, of our time in charismatic communities, you know, in the community that I run in. And I, of course I, you know, I, I, Randy Clark is like a a father to me and, and he knows his scripture and (laughs) he's very theologically sound, you know, and, um, and he and I both believe in, in that, in the teacher and all of that. So, so, Tell me, Elijah, what does what does a teacher, what does a teacher have to say to prophets? What what does the role of teacher have to bring to the role of the prophet? I think if if people that are prophetic will go, all right, I will learn good doctrine, um, and I will learn just what a book of the Bible says. I'm not trying to hear God's voice speak to me about, well, what's what's going on with my kid. I just want to hear God. What it does is it turns the fire on in the prophetic because they can speak with authority. When you, you as a prophet, you can't get on the stage and go, thus saith the Lord. When you have the word of God exegeted correctly, thus saith the Lord, go into all the nations. Thus saith the Lord, love. Like there is power and authority that the prophetic community could pick up if they go, all right, I want to learn this in its historical, grammatical, cultural context. And it it will turn your words to fire and it, it will accomplish its mission. The word of God cannot be stopped. And so there's so much power and I love listening to your podcast because I've seen so many times where you're like, I'm preaching on Jeremiah and I'm doing it in a historical grammatical context. And it just carries authority that if you went up and did some self-help sermon, it just doesn't have. And that excites me when I see prophets going, I want God's word. And, And that's like, and I also want to say, Teachers aren't the people who don't move in signs and wonders. Like my life reads like the book of Acts. I've seen so much of God's power. um, And it's so weird that we go, all right, apostles and prophets, they sometimes also go, I don't need this gift. And then we sound heretical to people um, and they turn us off. And Uh, my prayer is that every apostle and prophet sits under a teacher until they get the doctrines down, the word of God down, and they become fire. Yeah. Oh, I so agree with you. I so agree with you. And I think, I do think that, that the teacher, the, the teacher part, I, I have some of that in me, right. obviously. Um But when you really know what scripture says, so the Lord will say something to you. I mean, we teach at every prophetic school, right? We teach at BSSM, at GSSM, at all the SSMs, you know, that in order to judge a word of prophecy, you have to know scripture because you have to align it with scripture. And if it doesn't say what scripture says, if it is not in accord or in alignment with 
what scripture says, how God is with his people, the way God is, then it's not a prophetic word. Right. And we're supposed to throw it away. But so if we don't know scripture and we're prophesying, that's a scary, that's a scary thing to me. I think that we, that we already are in error in many ways. And, uh, and I, and, and so I, because we can think that we're hearing something from the Holy spirit and it not be from the Holy spirit, right. From some other spirit. And so it's very important to know scripture and it brings a depth uh, to the word uh, when you have that. And you know, before you even speak it, if this could possibly be right, because you know, scripture. So I think that's so important. So, so important. So, yeah, go ahead. And I think one of the things we forget that the old school revivalists really understood is yeah. the devil has played this game longer than we have. And he <laughs> knows word. the Bible really well, yeah, he and he knows how to twist it. And so yeah. he can start in the prophetic community giving things that aren't really in line with the word. And so like, if we want revival fire, revival always leads back to the word of God. And the Jonathan Edwards used to talk about this is when you, if you want to be certain, this is a move of God, it does five things. It makes you love Jesus. It makes you love people. It puts you back in the word and you reject worldliness and you reject sin. And when you see those things happening, you know that that only the Holy Spirit does those things. And so we've got to preach a revival that gives people a passion for the Bible. Oh, yes. Preach it. I I totally (laughs) preach it. I I agree with, with that. I couldn't agree more. So getting back to your movie just for a minute, because... Mm -hmm. Sin proof is really about um, it's it's focuses on healing, right? Um, is that right? It po- from yeah. what I what I uh, watched and um, so did you discover uh, what did you discover about healing as you went through? I mean, you <clears throat> talked to some of the healers of our day, right. and right. Uh, and you went out with some people to lay hands on people and sure. see healing and and so tell me about the healing yeah. movement and yeah, I I mean, well, it certainly built my confidence, you know, after that interaction with my former pastor who said, well, there's no evidence for this stuff. And I looked around and I said, well, you know, no one's really gathered this stuff. And so um, I got to talk to some of the world's most profound skeptics. Um, You know, I got to talk to James Randi. He called the guy with the earpiece giving fake prophetic words uh and really just hear what the other side had to say about this go and watch people pray for people and see both the results and to like get documented cases and so i mean i met one guy a truck fell on his stomach they had to take all but a hundred centimeters out um, which creates small bowel syndrome. And then he, you die from this, like your bowels can't ingest enough food and he gets prayer and it grows back and <laughs> like a, a substantial amount. And uh-huh. um, <laughs> like, and knowing, well, this isn't just some hokey story someone put 
put up, but there's a before and an after it, 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 it really builds your confidence so yes. much. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I, I remember the very first time, you know, I, I have, I gone around the world and I pray for sure. healing and, uh, and I see, I see things that, you know, seem small, um, like, pain leaves someone's body and sure. these kinds of things, you know, but I remember the very first time that I really had someone come back to me. I was in Brazil. I had a, I had a meeting and there was a woman, I was actually being escorted out of the meeting. Cause I had prayed for like hundreds of people right. already, you know, it was one of those moments. And, um, and she grabs me as I'm, as I'm being escorted out and she says, please pray for me. I have a disease and I, and I'm going to die. And I, you know, they're taking me, but I hear this and my heart is just, you know, welling up with compassion. And all mm -hmm. I could muster at that moment was to put one hand on her arm and say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask you to heal this woman's body, save her life. Come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. I mean, it was like that. It was that quick and simple. And, and mm -hmm. I left. And of course, then I think about it all night long because this is how I am, you know? Right. And, um, and so then we're at the next church the next night and this woman shows up. Uh, no, it was uh, at the end of the week because it had been several days. And I, cause I was in, I was there for a couple of weeks and it was several days later, this woman shows up and she said, I have to talk to you. I have to talk to you. And I said, what? what, you know, what? She said, I am the woman who grabbed your arm and told you on the way. And she said, I went back to my doctor and they, they, I don't know what kind of a blood test. Cause she had some kind of, but mm -hmm. she had scleroderma and I'm not sure how you even test for that. I know it's a skin and a connective tissue disease, but she said, my doctor tested me and I'm completely healed. And they took me off all Wow. Uh, treatment. They discharged yeah. me from treatment. Right. Yeah. So that was the first time that I had had someone come back to tell me a medical diagnosis, like a before and after. Right. Yeah. The second time was more profound. Uh, it was, I had been in London and, uh, and I was speaking at a, at a small Nigerian church and um, in the middle of worship, I had a word of knowledge. Now, Randy always gets words of knowledge. I don't, I don't get those, the kind that I feel in my body, right? I, right. I get them like prophetic words. Okay. Sure. When I know that healing is in the room, I just have this sense that healing's in the room. Um, and what I mean by that for my listeners is that healing is not some kind of person. I feel the Holy Spirit's presence and that he has a desire to heal. That's right. that's, but I say healing is a room. That's my short, my short term, my shorthand for that. And um, so I, I had this, but I had this crushing feeling in my chest and I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I heard the Lord say, someone has a heart condition and they, they can, you know, barely walk like you know, several steps. And, um, so I got up and I, I gave the word, nobody came forward. It was about 250 people there. I, no one sure. came forward. I'm like, surely in a room of 250, like, yeah. you know, sometimes you're in a room so big, it doesn't matter what you say. Somebody in the room is going to have that condition. Okay. So, you know, I mean, you want it to be a word of knowledge, but sometimes just take a risk because someone's, you know, and, um, and so I said it again, and this young person, only person in the whole room, a young man who had been playing drums, came out onto the platform, and uh, and he was 
you know, sort of downcast. And, um, and he, he said he had a heart condition. Well, he had an enlarged heart. He could barely breathe. He felt like his life was over. They were going to have to do open heart surgery. I don't know if they were going to, you know, give him a heart transplant or a valve, or I don't know what, but he was going to have to have open heart surgery in a couple of weeks to try and correct the problem. And, uh, and he, he felt like his life was completely over and he'd been prayed for many times, which is why he hesitated to come out. He didn't really believe he could be healed. And, you know, now I'm all stirred up. I, I have faith for this because Mm. I know what God I felt in my body. And so I pray for him. I prophesy over him. We sang over him. I had everybody extend their hand, you know, the whole deal and nothing seemed to happen. Nothing. And, uh, and I, you know, and I mean, I was so sure Elijah, I was, I was so sure. Like I was thought he's going to get up and do the happy dance, you know, no, nothing, nothing. And so, uh, I went, I finished my time in, uh, in the UK, in Europe, I was there for three weeks, came home and after, and I was home for two days and I got a note from the pastor of the church and said, have you seen Facebook? I said, no, he sent me the link. And on Facebook was a clip, a little video clip of me praying for this young man. It was his Facebook page. Sure. It was a little clip of me praying for him. It was his own testimony. And then it was a picture of the MRI. He'd gone back to the doctor. He oh, was wow. completely healed and normal and yeah. re- discharged from, from medical care. Yeah. And, his, and, and so we had the book. I mean, I, it still, it still makes me cry. It was such a miracle. Yeah. And I, I I had seen so many things, but to see it in doctors, because I was a yeah. nurse, those right. things mattered to me, you know, right. and to see that and know that this young man who's in his 20s, thought his life was over, his heart was going to have to have open heart surgery. He had a, he had a heart failure and, and an enlarged heart, and now his heart was completely normal. He had his life back. It just wrecked me. I fell on the floor, you know, and I was weeping in my house and just like, Lord, you know, God is real. Yeah. Yeah. And it's preserving this testimony. And so often we go, who cares about the medical reports? And there's doctors and nurses just like you who go, if I saw that, it would change the trajectory of my life. I would give my life to Jesus. And I want the church to go, let's minister to these people. Let's, let's preserve the testimony so that the next generations aren't going, well, maybe this stuff doesn't happen. Well, you know, I, I'm a part of the Foursquare Church and yeah. Amy Semple McPherson, right? Uh-huh. My dad used to, uh, my, my dad used to go to Angelus Temple with his, with his parents. My dad right. is 88 years old now. And, uh, and he, he still says, Kimmy, if you ever preach at Angelus Temple, I'm going, I'm there. I don't <laughs> care if I'm 98 years old. Right. right. And, uh, but he, he would go there. They, his parents would take him there to, to see her because they were Presbyterians, right. but they were spirit filled and they would go to Angela's temple on Wednesday nights to see her healing services. And she had in her, I don't know if people know this, but at Angela's temple um, on Wednesday nights, when she would do this, 
she they would collect the canes and the wheelchairs and right. the, and the crutches and they had what they called the 500 room and they were all stored in there as trophies to the lord right. for what yeah. he had done you know and she had so many healings that were actual actual medically tested healings that in the back of Angela's temple, they had a driveway where ambulances in that day would drive to, before they took the people to the hospital, they would come to Angela's temple, back up, mm. open the doors, and she would come and she would lay hands on them wow. to heal them before they ever got to the hospital. I mean, yeah. come on, you know, yeah. healing Healing is for today, right? I, it gets me so excited. I mean, these things really happen. And um, mm -hmm. and there was another point that I wanted to make with you on, because um, as, as someone who has studied revival and especially mm -hmm. cessationism, right, and these sure. kinds of things, cessationism is said that the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit were for evidential purposes only so now we're talking right. about wanting evidence for but we're not talking the same thing i just want my people to understand right. see when the cessationists said it was for evidence they were reacting to some abuses that were happening in the church at that time and so they said well it's only for evidence and the evidence was to um to be proof was for proof that what the apostles were saying um was uh, was uh, on par with scripture was actually scripture. And since we don't need, we're not writing scripture anymore. We don't need proof like that anymore. Yeah. And so, um, but of course they went too far with this. This was not true because, uh, because the gifts of the Holy spirit are not um, just to approve or bring proof toward for the writing of scripture. They are for the service of the kingdom and to advance the mission of Christ and to heal people, mm. set people free and, and bring people into salvation. So the proof that Elijah's talking about send proof, he's talking about evidence of miracles for the non-believer so that they mm -hmm. see that God is real. It's not for the writing of scriptures, not to approve my ministry. Right. You know, that doesn't matter. My listen, if God doesn't raise me up to do it, he's going to raise somebody up to do it because it's God's work. It's not mine. It's not to prove that I'm some kind of, uh, you know, apostolic minister and what I say is on par with scripture. No, it's to help those who have a block of belief because they need more intellectual things. You know, when you're a nurse or a doctor, I was a nurse for 22 years. Mm -hmm. When you're a nurse or a doctor, it is more difficult to make that leaf of faith, especially for healing, uh, because we see so much in the in the medical profession, and right. we have a bent toward toward um, you know critical thinking. And sure. so, if we think that charismatics are charismanias, you know, yeah. charismatics, and um, and that they they have no grounding in anything intellectual, it makes it even more difficult to believe. And so mm -hmm. I think this is a really important movie. Thank you for making the movie, Elijah. Really. You're welcome. You're welcome so much. Yeah. So thank you so much for being my guest. And what I like to ask all my guests before we go, we've been through a very difficult 
year and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, you know, it's my belief that even though I really do believe we're going to see God move in an unprecedented way in the very, and I think that it's already begun this, this next awakening, revival, reformation, whatever you want to call it, I call it a move of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I believe we're on the precipice of that and we're beginning to see it, but also is coming in a time of great turbulence. I call it turbulence, Mm -hmm. violence, difficulty, challenge in the world. And I think that's going to last for quite a while, but we have been through this pandemic. We've been through, uh, you know, racial tension, which I believe God wants to deal with that. We're, we've been through this crazy election thing with all the crazy prophetic stuff. Okay. Honestly. And, um, and I'm just wondering what, what do you see uh, happening? Um, Is, are you seeing anything prophetically speaking and, and how would you encourage my people today to have faith and and mm-hmm. hope for something more in this time? The church has been through worse, way worse. And when we are in environments of, it, you know, just unending darkness, that is when Christ shines his light and he is looking for people just like you guys who will go, God, I'm all in. I've seen the evidence. I've seen the, you know, go watch the movie. If you need some confidence, I'm a hundred percent in. And all I want to do is see Jesus glorified with my life. I, I yield everything to him. I will pray for the sick. You get my reputation. You get my heart you will see the kingdom of God come in power and it's everything you've ever wanted. You, you think maybe it's money. You think maybe it's wealth or status. You want God. Your heart was designed for that and you can have him. And this is the perfect time to surrender everything to Christ. That's what I would tell you because the more I surrender, the more I see him and the more my life has meaning and hope despite what's going on. And in fact, it's just not catching my attention uh, because I see who Jesus really is. Yeah. Amen. Would you pray for us, please? Yeah. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come on these people and impart the confidence that Jesus has resurrected, that he has defeated sin, death, and the devil, and nothing can stop his kingdom from coming to earth. And right now, all around the world, people are getting saved and healed and delivered. And Father, I pray for those people who are timid or maybe been through trauma, that they would reach out. The kingdom of God is at hand and that they will see the power of God in their lives, transform their family. There is no hopeless situation because nothing is impossible with God. And I pray right now that you will cling to that word and begin to live like it's the truth so that you can see the kingdom of God come in power in your life. And I pray that in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Elijah, it's been a great pleasure to really meet you and to listen to you and to hear everything you've had to say. Thank you so Thank much you for coming so on being a guest. I, yeah, I hope we stay in touch. I, yeah. I'm sure we will. <laughs> Do you have a podcast? <clears throat> uh, not really. I just kind of pop up on people's podcasts. Um, <laughs> 
I've thought about starting one. I make a few videos every now and then, but not, no. Um, I, but go to simproof.com and uh, watch the movie. Let me know what you guys think. Amen. And I think you're supposed to start a podcast. Pray about that. Okay. <laughs> All, All right. right. God bless you. God bless everybody. I'm so glad that you were with us today and uh, we'll see you. Well, we'll hear from you and talk to you again uh, on our next podcast. So bless you. See you then. Thank you for joining us for the Move Forward podcast. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. You can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find those books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Thank <laughs> you.